When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. It's Michael Nesmith on the Pantheon Podcast. History in Five Songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Well, hello once again, Martin Popoff here, back with another episode of History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good folks at Pantheon. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and always growing Pantheon podcast network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right, I'm calling this episode The Shadow Album, episode 136, The Shadow Album. Um, now, these are various ways that these records are sort of the uh, the poke in the gut album, the doppelganger, the understanding. The Shadow Album, the Parallel Universe Album, the I Can Do It Better Album, um, different ways that uh, this album pairs up with the catalog, but it's really not part of the catalog sort of situation. Uh, and uh, and perhaps some of the interest in this episode will be in the comparisons as well as we go along. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll explain further as we get into it. Let's just jump right into our first track. This is uh, this is Vince Neil with Sister of Pain. Right, so the idea here is that uh, Vince Neil is uh, ousted from Motley Crue. Uh, you know, things are just too crazy. He's not he's not working hard enough. Uh, he's not singing good enough, writing good enough. Whatever that, whatever the situation, uh, it's basically there's a lot of drama in the band and things aren't working out. Um, but the interesting that thing that happens is um, this Vince Neil album, this first record that he he does uh, for. Uh, as a solo career the second one is called carved in stone it's a little more um it's a little more traditional but this one is called exposed and he called it he called it that because he thought i'm i'm sort of in the spotlight uh this is the most exposed i've ever been there's of course a picture of vince neal on the cover it's got this cool kind of silver silver and white black and white cover um but the idea here is that um this is essentially the follow-up to Dr. Feelgood. This was a really good, solid hair metal album. Now, granted, it comes out April 27th of 1993. It's a little late for hair metal. does pretty good on Billboard. Uh, go, gets to number 13 on Billboard, but it doesn't certify. Uh, but, the, but the cool thing is, is that this really is like the lost Motley Crue album in a certain way uh, in terms of 
um, following up Dr. Feelgood. So it's the shadow album of the band. It's, it's the album that's sitting out there that the band who haven't come out with their John Karabi album yet. Um, so they, they hire on John Karabi, they come out with the self-titled, but that doesn't come out until March 15th of 94. So Vince has a, a pretty much a full year in the spotlight with this exposed album. Now what's kind of interesting about this uh, and why I consider it a shadow album is he basically doesn't, uh, you know, pull any surprises on this. What he does is he turns in a good, heavy, up-tempo party hair metal album, very professional. Um, you know, we may not, we, we may not associate Vince Neil himself with uh, all that much professionalism, but, um, Early, early writing sessions on this had Phil Suzanne as part of it, Ozzy Osbourne's bassist. So most of the songs get a Neil Suzanne credit, with some getting a Neil Steve Stevens credit. Uh, as you recall, this essentially is a duo. It's kind of a Billy Idol situation, so he's kind of shadowing Billy Idol on this as well. Um, but it's uh, it's Vince Neil and Steve Stevens having a band. And uh, and on drums on the album, you actually get Enough's Enough's drummer, uh, Vicky Fox. Uh, credited on the album but do not appear are Dave Marshall on rhythm guitars and Robbie Crane uh, on bass. Of course, Robbie will be in Rat and various other things later on. He'll be one of these cool utility men later on. Um, but yeah, he's credited and doesn't play so uh, as you can tell with this song it's essentially uh you know the the somewhat the improvement uh well i don't know if it's an improvement on dr feelgood but it's but it's kind of in that in that wheelhouse of dr feelgood now of course motley crew will come back and they will do something completely different but then vince will also do something completely different when it comes to his second solo album uh carved in stone which will be kind of industrial and trying to be you know uh, uh, you know, up, update and edgy. And then the funny thing is when, when Vince actually comes back to the band and they do Generation Swine, it's, it's somewhat in the vein of a, a combination of the Motley Crue album and the Carved in Stone album in a way. So, so there's some shadow album stuff going on between Carved in Stone and Generation Swine as well, which I found kind of interesting. So, um, there's there's some doppelgangerness there. There's there's some one guy influencing the other, or both, you know, deciding that this is kind of an interesting direction with all these electronics and samples and stuff, uh, kind of going on on there as well. Um. And as usual with these episodes uh, lately, uh, my South African connection, uh, Neil Miller has given some uh, examples as well. I'm not sure which are his and which are mine, but he did mention that, uh, you know, somewhat in this vein as well is uh, the Don Dawkin album, Up From The Ashes, is pretty much a, a Dawkin album. Um, and another one that I want to sort of compare here as well is there's a big similarity between Van Halen and Motley Crue and David Lee Roth and Vince Neil in that David Lee Roth does kind of the same sort of thing. Uh, he goes away from Van Halen with Edom and Smile. And what does he try to do? He tries to make the super octane uh, on breakfast cereal uh, and nothing else for nutrition uh, version of Van Halen. Uh, and, and, you know, they've, they've got, They've got a they've got a shredder in there in Steve Vai. The clothes are even more wild than they were in Van Halen. Uh, so so in a sense, uh, not knowing where Van Halen's going, I, I suppose at this at this point, I mean, basically, uh, he goes away and says, um, "Okay, uh, I can do this exact thing that we've been doing 
better than you guys, uh, you know, better than my old band. So he tries to he tries to get a, a bunch of hot shots together and and build the same sort of thing. So there's there's a similarity there with the Exposed album and the David Lee Roth Eat 'Em and Smile album. Uh, you know, the Exposed album, I, I'm you know, it it sold a lot of copies, it got a lot of press, but it did not even certify. Uh, so so you know, this whole Vince Neil solo situation didn't didn't quite work out for him, obviously. And then he was back in Motley Crue. Um, all right, let's. Uh, let, oh yeah, one more that's sort of uh, also in this exact example of the Shadow album is uh, Udo U D O Animal House, nineteen eighty seven. So Udo leaves, except after Russian Roulette, nineteen eighty six. And what does he do? His first album after he leaves the band sounds exactly like the follow up album to Russian Roulette. It sounds it sounds totally like an except album. Of course, it's obviously a completely different people. And then the funny thing that happens with uh, with Udo Dirk Schneider is he he says, "All right, I'll show you guys." Uh, even before except get it together and put out another album with David Reese on vocals, which is the notorious and uh, notoriously slagged Eat the Heat album. That thing comes out in May '89. Udo was already back in January 89 with a second uh, UDO album, Udo album, uh, called Mean Machine. And and again, he's essentially doing what Accept was doing. Um, so there you go. There's your there's your Shadow album, your um, not Doppelganger. I mean, Doppelganger is a funny one. Doppelganger is almost like when you've got two things that are that are not connected in some way uh, that that seem really similar. So maybe that's not the way of putting it. But uh, but it's definitely the the Shadow situation. Uh, definitely, um, the, the guy who has left is shadowing or somewhat tormenting the other band by serving them back their own sound sort of thing. All right, let's move on. Take a listen to our second track here. This is Dio with Blood From A Stone. All right, deal. Blood from a stone. Bet some of you didn't even know he had a song called Blood from a, from a Stone. Anyways, this is a Strange Highways, October twenty fifth, nineteen ninety three. Now this is a funny one where um, I I was going to go with something from Lock Up the Wolves, which came out May fifteenth, nineteen ninety. Now why are we talking about this? So Lock Up the Wolves comes out nineteen ninety. Rowan Robertson is his guitarist, but suddenly uh, Dio Ronnie has uh has come up with this sound um that is much slower and much more uh less less flashy less up tempo less willing to please really in in a certain way now you know when i've when i've talked to ronnie about this slow situation that he he fell into and he and he sort of stayed there for the rest of his career he basically told me that um he he found it more interesting to write lyrics and to sing over uh, over slow stuff. It, it it made the song more of a showcase for the vocalist kind of thing. Anyways, what's kind of interesting here is that I don't particularly like uh, Lock Up the Wolves, but I really quite like and admire the Strange Highways album. But what happens in between... Um, Ronnie goes back to Black Sabbath and they put out Dehumanizer in 1992 and it's the it's the exact Mob Rules lineup. You've got Vinny, Tony, Geezer and Ronnie. 
But what's interesting about this album is it's almost like it's bent completely to Ronnie's will. It doesn't really sound like a Black Sabbath album. It sounds more like a the album as it is between Lock Up the Wolves and Strange Highways. So I wanted to pick something from Strange Highways here to almost say that um, Strange Highways is... Uh, the better version of dehumanizer in a way uh dehumanizer uh to flip it the other way dehumanizer to me feels like the demo version of strange highways and strange highways is the actualization and i could hear i could hear tony iomi doing all those riffs on strange highways it wouldn't be completely out of his wheelhouse of course ronnie by this time has a new guitarist again in tracy g uh and then they go on and do angry machines which i think is an underrated album as well but strange highways i think is a is a pretty masterful album it's probably my favorite album of that entire uh, later run from dio um excepting possibly uh killing the dragon i've got some problems with that one as well but um those those are the two that i like the most but i really like the way that this this is a um this definitely feels like uh like like dehumanizer is the understudy to strange highways and that's that's a pretty weird thing to say but it almost seems like 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 uh a he bends uh black sabbath's will to to ronnie's new predilection for this style of heavy metal and i don't think he particularly bends black sabbath's will uh to his way of thinking when, when they did Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules, I think he definitely does it here. To me, this almost feels like like a Dio band album uh, where really Ronnie almost like hoodwinks or tricks or or somehow convinces uh, a, a possibly not strong-willed Tony Iommi at the time, like, hey, what do you think of this kind of music? And all of a sudden, it's uh, it's all this kind of slow kind of stuff. Now, I don't know how much sense that really makes because obviously there's the whole Tony Martin, is he going to be involved in a situation, blah, 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 as well. So it's it's not really so much that that Ronnie's writing these songs. They are they are Tony's songs. It's it's stuff that he came up with. But for, for some reason, this literally feels like uh, an album that you could just slide right in between Lock Up the Wolves and uh, and Strange Highways. Now, uh, I mean, between Lock... Yeah, Dehumanizer between Lock Up the Wolves and, uh, and Strange Highways. Now, the other one that I think feels a lot like this, and it's kind of in the same family, is, uh, is the Slaves and Masters story. So the Deep Purple album from 1990, I feel uh, a lot like um, that is Deep Purple... What, what remains of Deep Purple bending to Richie Blackmore's will because Richie brings, brings in Joe Lynn Turner and all of a sudden you've got the two main writers from the from the last era of Rainbow who did that trilogy of albums, right? Um, we've got Difficult to Cure Straight Between the Eyes Bent Out of Shape and, uh, and here we've got the two main writers uh, from Rainbow, from that era of Rainbow, uh, and Roger Glover was also in that era of Rainbow, and Roger Glover is a writer, and Roger was even on Down to Earth. So you've got Roger Glover, Richie Blackmore, Joe Lynn Turner, and the and then what's left is these two non-writing members of Deep Purple, in Ian Pace and John Lord, and surprise, surprise, uh, everybody says this. Uh, they say that this album sounds more like a Rainbow album, more like the follow-up to Bent Out of Shape than it does like a Deep Purple album. So we've got we've got an interloper coming into Sabbath who I think bends the band to his will, and we've got uh, we've got an interloper coming into Deep Purple. Only in this case, Richie was already there, so the interloper is Joe Lynn Turner, and just by virtue of him being 
uh, a lead vocalist and a lyric writer. Uh, he's in there. He's in there, essentially bending the will to the to the will of what Rainbow was. So there you go. I I think uh, I think you have uh, two situations from the same family that have this uh, this sort of uh, shadow. Uh, shadow album concept uh, right there. Now, uh, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. All right, back again here. History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, episode 136, The Shadow Album. Um, take a listen to our third track. This is uh, The Explorers with Lorelei. All right, so you might be saying, who are the explorers? Um, well, I mean, who do they sound like? Uh, that's your first clue there. So the explorers, I, I love this album. I got this when it came out as a new release. Uh, the album is just called The Explorers. Yeah, it's just uh, The Explorers. And in fact, the spine is really bizarre. It says The Explorers, and then it says Explorers. Um, but uh, who this is, this is the band that uh, came out of the Roxy Music situation when Roxy Music inexplicably broke up. So you've got Andy McKay on sax and oboe and Phil Manzanera on guitar. So there's your Roxy connection. Uh, and then you've got this newcomer, James Wraith, on vocals. Uh, and uh, on drums, you've got Steve Gadd and Jerry Murata. Uh, bass, you've got Tony Levin and Alan Spinner. Keyboards, you've got Guy Fletcher. Piano, you've got Paul Carrick. And what does this Explorers album sounds like? It sounds exactly like the follow-up to Roxy Music, Avalon. The finally successful album in America sort of thing. Uh, and then the band breaks up. Um, but to me, this is the lost... See, when I was going to do this episode, I was I was almost going to call it the lost something uh, album. So that's another term there that I didn't didn't actually put there, did I? No, I didn't. So so the lost album. So So to me... This Explorers album is the lost Roxy Music album because Roxy Music never made another album again. I love Roxy Music to death. Uh, but when this came out, I was absolutely on board um, because what you get is a very Roxy Music type, type album. And then almost comically, you get this James Wraith uh, singer on top who sounds exactly like Brian Ferry. Uh, so essentially, this is the lost Roxy Music album. Now we get a bonus in this situation because so Avalon is 1980. This is 1985. What also comes out in 1985? Brian Ferry puts up Boys and Girls, which actually goes gold. It's kind of a kind of a hit album for him. Um, somewhat unexpected, I would think. But Boys and Girls also sounds like the the lost Roxy Music album. So maybe we got two Roxy Music albums. Uh, he eventually does Bet Noir in 87, Taxi in 93. More albums to come after that. One thing I don't like about Brian Ferry very much is, is he seems very enamored with cover versions. He does a lot of cover version albums and cover versions, right? Um, but anyways, um, I, I found it very interesting that we get two records uh, of this concept out of the Roxy Music thing because Roxy Music essentially splits into two camps. We get the Explorers. We get Brian Ferry solo. Who knows why they had to... Maybe they would have been a huge band, right? You can almost see this band with that really corporate slick, we're in a suit uh, sound uh, throughout the rest of the 80s going 
first gold and then going platinum and then double platinum and maybe having a diamond in there or something we can only wish right um but pretty bizarre that roxy music would have to break up uh the explorers sunk without a trace um, nothing much happened with these guys. I mean, I, I look at what I have here from them. They obviously did a lot of uh, promotion of this band because I've got I've got a 12-inch single for Two Worlds Apart. Uh, it Always Rains in Paradise on the B-side and Voodoo Isle. And then what is this one? So I've got another 12-inch for Falling for Nightlife, Midnight Mix, uh, and uh, BW Crack the Whip on the B-side. Um, yeah, the, the band itself, even here, they're they're emphasizing that they're calling the band a trio. So it's this James Wraith, Phil Manzanera, and Andy McKay. And another funny thing that happens is that is that on the on the uh, Brian Ferry album, Guy Fletcher plays keyboards on that as well, and Tony Levin plays bass on that as well. So you get so you get kind of more of the band being being uh, you know a crossover. I've got another twelve inch from these guys, more more Louvre than longer mix. And what do we got here? Venus de Milo, another lost soul on the run. And then I've got, uh, believe it or not, is, uh, yes, so I've got a full picture disc 12 inch as well uh, from these guys for Falling for Nightlife and uh, and Crack the Whip. So uh, so there you go. Uh, check that album out. It's, it's hard to find. Um, you can listen to it on YouTube. Uh, it's not on Spotify. Pretty crazy. Um, and uh, so also in this camp, uh, I thought there was a good uh, a good parallel here as well. Neil Miller suggested this one as well, um, but I, I totally agree. So Steely Dan inexplicably breaks up on a big hit album, Gaucho, in 1980. Uh, but Donald Fagan comes up comes back and he has a hit album uh that basically sounds like steely dan i remember getting this as a new release and loving it the night fly it's got him sitting there as the radio guy you know in the 1940s dude on the cover uh kind of a blue and black and white thing uh that comes out in 1982 and it goes platinum so he does fine on his own uh then he has a kamikiriad uh 1993 that goes gold um what else uh, neil actually gave me a little thing here he says uh back to split after gaucho proceed later uh uh, albums that could have had the Steely Dan name and have all the signature Steely Dan sound. Um, so he, uh, Kamakiriad, Fagan album produced by Becker, so Walter Becker, and 11 Tracks of Whack, Becker album produced by Becker Fagan. And in 2000, they relaunched Steely Dan name with the amazing Two Against Nature produced by Becker Fagan. All the subsequent solo albums either of them did since then could all pass for Steely Dan albums, basically, so he says. So same kind of situation. You get this band breaking into two parts and uh, and they both go on and make the lost Steely Dan album, so to, so to speak. All right, let's move on. Take a listen to this. This is Paige Plant with Shining in the Light.
All right. So this is one. This is one I, you know, as tradition has it, when I when I think up these concepts, uh, the first one that comes to mind, uh, I always figure, hey, I should include that one because it was the first one to come to mind for a reason. So love, love, love to death. The Walking into Clarksdale album. This came out April 21st, 1998. Um, I did uh, talk about this album a little bit in another episode. I think I called it uh, the next Led Zeppelin, perhaps. Uh, but the point here is, is I've always thought this was the lost Led Zeppelin album. So to me, to me, there's sort of two lost Led Zeppelin albums and then another one that feels like a Led Zeppelin demos and b-sides and some of these songs could have been used on a led zeppelin album so to me the masterpiece the classic the one that sounds like a led zeppelin album is walking into clarksdale from 1998 this is the second page plant album but the first one uh more like just redone versions plus some originals it wasn't really uh it doesn't feel like a full album this is an absolutely full album with a big pile of songs um is there a cover on here i think there's a cover but but it's all the rest of it is all um yeah please read the letter i think that might be a cover but anyways it's it's all original and it sounds very much like led zeppelin but to me the two lost led zeppelin albums are walking into clarksdale and robert plant pictures at 11 so the very first the very first uh solo album robert plant does to me feels very much like uh, it could have been the follow-up to uh, In Through the Outdoor, crossed a little bit with Presence. Now, the other one that feels that way to me is Jimmy Page Outrider. Um, to me, that feels a lot like, uh, you know, your your Darlene and what's the other one? on Ozone Baby. Um, those, those later period rarities that showed up on the Coda album. To me, Outrider feels like uh, where, where they might have gone had they brought in more guitar on In Through the Outdoor. So to me, that's Outrider. So to me, uh, the ones that, that, that are the shadow albums of Led Zeppelin, uh, which to me is a great concept because we really want shadow albums of Led Zeppelin. We wish there was more Led Zeppelin. Uh, but to me, uh, they are a little bit of Outrider, a little bit more of Pictures at 11, and lots and lots of Walking into Clarksdale. I really think this album is so cool. Um, now, the other neat thing about this is uh, Michael Lee is the drummer. Michael Lee, uh, you know, he played for uh, Thin Lizzy and various other bands. Um, he, uh, sadly, we lost him a few years back. Got to meet the guy, great guy. Um, but he plays very Bonham-esque on this album, so that gives it a Led Zeppelin vibe. Um, but then also interloping in a certain way, um uh so so we get Charlie Jones on bass so i guess what i'm trying to say here is that in a certain way um does robert plant trick jimmy page into playing on a robert plant solo album because to me this kind of feels like uh it could also be in the robert plant solo canon because he's so universal and diverse and he does so many different things but because he's got charlie with him as well it's feeling a little bit like um because because I, I also feel that Jimmy Page doesn't have that strong of a will uh, when it comes to writing anymore after Led Zeppelin is over. It's 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 almost like when John Bonham died, his 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 will to be a, a creative musician in a big way kind of kind of died with it sort of thing. Um, he does come back and do things now and again. There's Coverdale Page, of course, as well. Uh, but to me, I think I think that that Charlie Jones narrative piece in here almost feels like. Uh, it, it almost feels like Robert Plant is bending the will of Jimmy Page into his solo career, but it's like we're going to call it Page Plant, but uh, but Charlie and Michael and Robert kind of all know that it's a Robert Plant solo album in a way, in a way. 
uh, I just I just thought that was a kind of an interesting way to look at this as a as a shadow album. So it might be a shadow Robert Plant album uh, as well. Um, and yeah, this album went gold, so that was kind of cool. Um, it was a, there was a big deal about it. I love the album cover. Uh, I love the title, a very kind of enigmatic title. Um, so there you go, walking into Clarksdale uh, with shining in the light. All right, let's play our last selection for the day. Uh, take a listen to this. This is Halford with Temptation. I made you feel I was a victim of the prey I let you tie me down though I can't get away Won't you lead me into temptation Don't deceive me into temptation All right, so this is Rob Halford from the Resurrection album, uh, August 8th, 2000. Now, this fits into the concept for me of the um, you don't want the brand, I'm taking the brand. But it took Robert um, Rob Halford a long time to take the brand because obviously um, fight, he didn't want the Judas Priest band particular brand. Two, he certainly didn't want the Judas Priest brand. Uh, jugulator and demolition judas priest didn't even want their own brand but uh after after sort of failing at these other things rob halford more or less is is uh succumbing to the fans uh desires and essentially giving them what they want so resurrection to me is the shadow judas priest album it's the judas it's the judas priest album it's the understudy judas priest album it's the it's the mischievous dennis the menace judas priest album it's the one that's saying you guys don't want to be judas priest yeah you're right i didn't want to be judas priest either but I've got this this crack band here, and we're going to be Judas Priest for a while if you guys won't do it. And there was a lot of excitement around Halford with this Resurrection album. It's a good, solid um, power metal album, but it's got some nice um, yeah, personality to it with things like like Twist. Uh, that was a cool tune on here. Um, but uh, yeah, this was, this was part of the whole Sanctuary thing when there was a lot of excitement around Sanctuary and Queensryche and Entombed and everybody, and there was that tour. Um, but I, I thought, and, and when he went out live with this band, he played a lot of deep Judas Priest tracks and, uh, and it was just a really good band with a good show. So in a sense, I really do feel that this is the shadow. What, what were my definitions here? Uh, the lost album. So it's kind of the lost Judas Priest album in a way. Um, is it a doppelganger? It's a doppelganger of, uh, of kind of the painkiller uh ram it down maybe a little bit of hellbent for leather maybe a little bit of stained class in here uh maybe a little bit of uh british steel um so it's a little bit of that uh is it the understudy well it is it is the punk rock version of judas priest right it's the it's the young guys who grew up on judas priest with uh with uh you know the grandfather up there at the vocalist is it a parallel universe it's certainly that um it's a five-piece band while Judas Priest is still in operation. So you've got the Ripper version of Judas Priest struggling through these years. And all of a sudden you've got Halford right next to them, kind of, uh, kind of kicking their asses with, uh, with an album that was more well-received and had more goodwill to it, uh, for the fans. Uh, and it's certainly a, a kind of, I can do Judas Priest better, uh, better. You don't want the brand. I'm taking the brand, uh, kind of album there. Uh, yeah, 
Pat Pat Lockman on guitar, Mike Mike Ch- oh, I I don't know if I've ever said this name. Uh Chlasiak uh on guitar, Metal Mike. Uh that's why they call him Metal Mike, right? Uh Ray Riando on bass, Bobby Jarzombek on drums. So yeah, pretty cool. Um and I just wanted to mention there's a kind of a parallel situation to this with the whole uh, Jeff Tate leaving Queensryche. So he leaves Queensryche and he does an an album. Well, there's Kings and Thieves as well, but the Jeff Tate album is very off off base. And then he eventually comes back, um, comes back to making Queensryche type albums, um, you know, with this tail between the legs sort of thing. We get the, um, the Frequency Unknown record, right? Um, which is quite Queensryche-y, but it's Jeff Tate coming back to Queensryche. So that's his resurrection. Um, and then Queensryche, of course, gets taught in and then they get even, well, yeah, well, they get more Queensryche than they had been with with uh, Jeff Tate. So uh, all of a sudden you've got in 2013, literally April 2013 for Frequency Unknown, and uh, and Queensryche comes back with the self-titled Queensryche album in June of 2013. So you've got two Queensrykes doing very queensryche type music. And then Jeff Tate goes on and he does the Operation Mindcrime band. They put out three albums in 2015 2016 2017 i think they're really good albums and they're and they're quite queens is as well certainly compared to the jeff tate uh album so um that's your parallel uh, i think i think there's a parallel and of course queens and uh Alfred were both on Sanctuary, um, but there's your there's your parallel uh, there. I think they were on Sanctuary, Queensryche, weren't they? Uh, maybe it was just the management. Uh, anyways, but there's your parallel between the uh, the exiled lead singer and what he did and what Rob Halford did. Quite quite a few sort of uh, comparisons there. All right, there you go. If you liked this show and want to support future episodes, of course you know the only way I am funding this thing is through Kofi. Rhymes with no fee uh, at Kofi.com/slash/MartinPopoff. You can hit that. Red support button and it uh, I guess magically zooms you over to PayPal somehow and you can buy me a coffee or a pint it's this three dollar thing that they do there and on that front this week I want to thank Andy at Black Sugar Transmission Joe Becht again at Bel Air Expediting he's been on our panels lately for Contrarians very cool um, Bruce Campbell actually Joe I don't know if you noticed but um, on Sea of Tranquility I, I did uh, I did a thing where we did a homework assignment and I did the hounds so I was thinking of you there uh, a, a a local band does good, right? Um, uh, let's see. Bruce Campbell, Andrew Clark, Jeff Dar, Brad Duran, Tim Durling, David Fisher, Ryan Gavalier, Carl Isaacson, Darren Kasabowski, uh, Davin Lasco, Dennis Lawson, Augustin Garcia de Predis, Steve Polari, Scott Ray, David Rhea, Davin Reeves, CJ Shosha, Daniel Wagner, and Adam Zenobi. Thank you all very much. Uh, and uh, yeah, martinpopoff.com for all your book needs. I got a few things in from the UK. There were some damaged smoking valves in there, unfortunately. If you want one of those old new wave British heavy metals, I'll strike you a deal on that. Uh, a couple of Deep Purples got a little damaged as well. This has kind of always been an ongoing problem with the, these UK shipments, but... but um, We'll sort it out. Uh, and uh, yeah, um, many, many things in stock over at martinpopoff.com. There you go. Let us know in the Facebook page if you can think of any more of these doppelganger shadow albums, understudy albums, uh, poke you in the ribs albums. Thanks again. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at The RNRAP. 
We are on Instagram at R&R Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.